0: Please turn with me in your Bible to the book of Genesis. We are in Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24 verses 1 through 67. We're kind of in the middle of the transition uh, from the patriarch Abraham to the patriarch Isaac. We kind of see this very clearly in chapter 24 as we will have the last recorded words of Abraham here at the beginning of chapter 24, and even at the end of this account when the servant returns, he does not report to Abraham, but he reports to Isaac instead. And so as we look at this account of Isaac and Rebekah, let us hear the word of the Lord. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. The servant asked him, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said, the Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and left, taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharaim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time when women came out to, or go out to draw water. Then he prayed. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today. See, I am standing beside this spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, Please let down your jar, that I may have a drink, and she says, Drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master." Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milchah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. This girl was very beautiful, a virgin no man had ever lain with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar in the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becca and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, "'Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room for your, in your father's house for us to spend the night?' She answered him, "'I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son that Milcah bore to Nahor.' And she said, and she added, "'We have plenty of straw and fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night.' Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, "'Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master.'" As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. The girl ran and told her mother's household about these things. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban and he hurried out to the man at the spring. As soon as he had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said to her, he went out to the man and found him standing by the camels near the spring. Come you who are blessed by the Lord, he said. Why are you standing out here? I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man went to the house and the camels were unloaded. Straw and fodder were brought for the camels and water for him and his men to wash their feet. Then food was set before him, but he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, men servants and maid servants, and camels and donkeys. My master's wife Sarah has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. And my master made me swear an oath and said, You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I live, but go to my father's family, to my own clan, and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, What if the woman will not come back with me? He replied, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so that you can get a wife for my son, for my own clan and for my father's family. Then when you go to my clan, you will be released from my oath. Even if they refuse to give her to you, you will be released from my oath. When I came to the spring today, I said, O Lord, God of my master, Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I am standing beside the spring. If a maiden comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your drawer. And if she says to me, drink and I'll draw water for your camels too, let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water and I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly bowed her jar, lowered her jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I'll water your camels too. So I drank and she watered the camels also. I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. Then I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms and I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to, the, to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me so I may know which way to turn. Laban and Bethuel answered, This is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord Then the servant brought out gold and silver and jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the girl remain with us 10 days or so. Then you may go. But he said to them, Do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the girl and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebekah on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the gates of their enemies. Then Rebekah and her maids got ready and mounted their camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebekah and left. Now Isaac had come from 'er Be'er-Lahai-Roi, for he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebekah also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant, Who is that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Isaac brought her to the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, we do thank you for this account, this account of the servant's faithfulness, Abraham's faithfulness, and your faithfulness in working in his task. Lord, show us how we are to live before you, show us how we are to walk before you, and show us what a life of faithfulness looks like. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. George Muller died in 1898 at the ripe old age of 92. 92. He had lived most of the 19th century. He was a German man who moved uh, to England in his adulthood and he became a pastor. He became a pastor uh, at a church there in England. Uh, and in addition to being a pastor, he founded five orphanages. Uh, Statistics, as much as we can tell at the time when he opened his first orphanage, there were 3,600 children in orphanages in England at the time. The rest of the children under the age of eight who were without parents were housed in local prisons. During his lifetime, Muller himself cared for over 10,000 children, and it is said that within 50 years after his death, over 100,000 children uh, came through and were cared for in his orphanages. Bob Muller, Bob Muller? No, but Muller, George Muller is his name, never took a salary from the orphanages, nor did he ever hold a fundraiser for his orphanages. However, neither Muller nor any of the over 100,000 children that came through the orphanages ever went hungry. Whenever there was a need, Muller acted in faith and in prayer, and God provided for the need. He would take his bills, it is said, into his study. He would pray over them and God would provide through people who were led to give. We talked a little bit last week as we looked at the story of Abraham and the purchase of the tomb, how God works in ordinary providences. He works through means. We looked at the the pursuit of a real estate contract as the way that God provided a, a chunk of land within the promised land. A. A future hope for the people when they came back after 400 years today we are going to look not only at God's providence as well but also how we are to act in light of God's providence as we consider God Abraham and the servant as we look at this we're going to see how God acts providentially so we're going to look at the providence of God we're going to look at our faith in light of providence of God and we're going to look at how we pray in light of the providence of God so first the providence of God how does God act providentially in today's account this Abraham is old he is advanced in years the original language actually says he is stricken with his age we all know how difficult difficult it is to age in this world as our bodies slow down as our minds slow down as we get aches and pains we know what it means to be stricken with age but Abraham was stricken with something else He had a 37 to 40 year old son who was single and yet was the child of promise, was the child through whom Abraham was going to have descendants who would outnumber the sands on the seashore or who would outnumber the stars in heaven. And yet he is single and unmarried. And in that day and age, that was a problem. We're going to look at Abraham. He has called his servant to himself and he has given his servant a task. And the servant is sent to the town where Abraham came from, the area where Abraham came from, and he is told to find a bride for Isaac. And all of this is done in the context of the providence of God. There's a word that shows itself 17 times within this particular account. It's the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahweh, Jehovah. It shows up in here and we see that God directs this. Where we saw God directing in the ordinary means, we see God taking a very active role in today's account as He has highlighted 17 times. How does God work? How does God show His providence in this account of the servant finding a wife for Isaac? He shows His providence in timing. The first thing we see, we see God work at the right time in two two places. The first is at the appearance of Rebekah. The servant has made his journey. He has gathered uh, samples of Abraham's wealth. He has gathered ten of his camels and he has gone. And he has sat down at the well in the area where he is to find this wife for Isaac. He has no idea who he's looking for. He has no idea what to look for. And so he prays. We'll look at the prayer of the servant here in a few minutes. But he prays. And as he prays, asking for some very specific things, God begins to act because before he had finished praying, Rebecca shows up at the well. Now, even if Rebecca lived right next door to where the servant left, for her to show up at that exact moment at that right time she would have had to leave before the servant finished praying. But there is a second appearance at the right time and that comes at the end of the account. The servant has given his story to Rebecca. He's given it to Rebecca's family. They have agreed to let her go. And she, they are on their way back. They come back to the area where Isaac is out in the field. The, the, the word is translated here meditate Um, now isaac had come from Be'er air roi for he was living in the negev he went out to the field one evening to meditate it's the only place in this in the scriptures that this word is used Um, in extra biblical sources it can mean to meditate it can mean to pray it can even mean to wander in the woods So Isaac had either gone out to meditate, he'd either gone out to pray, or he had simply gone out for a walk and just happened to bump into the servant and his entourage at just the right time to meet his wife, the one who would comfort him in his grief. We think in our world today in terms of coincidences and accidental meetings. We think in terms of I just happened to show up and to be at the right place at the right time. I had not attended church for at least a couple years. I had walked away from church. I had walked away from everything God. And my parents uh, intervened in that walk. And they got up one morning and said, we're trying out a new church. You're coming with us. I kind of grumbled at Dad a little bit. He says, you're living in my house. You live by my rules. So I got up early the next morning and went to church. I happened to be in the right place at the right time to see a young woman walked through the door who tickled my fancy just enough to say hey i'm coming back again (laughs) two years later i i married the young woman and uh, we have celebrated 24 years this past week of marriage Um, i happened to be at the right place at the right time which seemed to me to be a coincidence but it wasn't it was god working in time to bring me to that place there's no such thing as a coincidence there's no such things as accidental meetings God orchestrates everything so that the right time and the right place is for His glory, is for our growth, is for our walk with Him. Have you ever stopped to think about where you are in life right now? Have you ever looked at all those coincidences in your life that have brought you to this very place right now? Have you ever thought about some of the painful events in your life that have brought you to the place that you are right now? If you thought of some of the joyous events that have brought you to the place that you are in your life right now. Do you know that nothing happened in your life that was a mistake? Some of you may have been drugged here this morning against your will, but God wants you right here today for some reason. God wants you where you are in your life right now today for some reason. You have experiences, you have the family that you have, the job that you have, the friendships that you have the hobbies that you have, the experiences that you have had, the stumbles that you have had, everything that has happened in your life, God has orchestrated to to bring you to the point where you are in your life so that you may minister for him and to shine his glory. Nothing has been accidental in your life. Nothing is out of his control. God is in charge of time. God orchestrates time for his glory and for his honor. And we see this in a special way in Galatians chapter 4. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons of God, because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. You know, Abraham was concerned about the descendants that would come from Isaac. Isaac was that child of promise. He waited all those many years. Sarah waited all those many years for Isaac to come through God's special work in their life. So that the promises of God could be kept the promise of people, the promise of descendants. But there was one descendant in particular that was hoped for, and that was the descendant that would bring redemption. And Paul says when time was full, when time was complete, when time was perfect, when it was the right place at the right time, God sent his son into the world so that we might have redemption so that we might be called the sons of God and know the blessings of salvation. The providence of God shows itself in time. Well, how do we act in light of the fact that God is orchestrating everything in our lives? We don't see His plan. We don't know His plan. He is God and we are not. How do we act in light of that? Well, we act in everything, number one, by professing Faith in God and his promise, providence. So God being providentially in charge of everything that happens does not absolve us, does not remove from us the responsibility to act in our own lives. But when we act, we do so in faith. We see this in this account through the faith of Abraham. Remember in Genesis chapter 16, Abraham took things into his own hands without even once consulting God, without even once remembering the promises of God. But what does he do here before he sends the servant on his way? He says, look, God has promised me all these things and he's come through on a lot of these promises, but in order for him to continue to come through and all of his promises go Go to the land where I came from and find for my son a wife. He calls upon the name of the Lord. He calls upon and remembers the promises that God has made. He calls upon and remembers the promises that God has kept thus far in his life. And he acts in light of faith in God. The servant as well acts in light of his faith in God. First, he shows us his faith in God by praying. He prays a very specific prayer, but he also acts in faith by remembering the promises that have been kept for Abraham. In these verses here in this account, when he meets Rebecca, when he meets Rebecca's brother, he says, look, these are all the things that God has done for my servant, for my for my master, Abraham, verses 30, 32 through 38. He lists all these things and talks about how how rich and how much material blessing God has given to Abraham. But not only does the servant, not only does Abraham act in faith, but we see Rebekah acting in faith as well. As she mirrors Abraham's faith from Genesis chapter 12 where she gets up and goes to the land that the servant will show her, as Abraham got up and went to the land that God showed him. And Laban even has given us here as a contrast to Rebekah's faith. Rebecca heard the word of the Lord, she got up and left. Laban saw the gold, and he acted. And we'll meet Laban later and we'll see that this is a, a theme that shows up in his life over and over again. So when we act, we act professing faith in God. But when we act, we act, also act by praying to God. Other than God, the main account, the main character in this account is the servant. And we see that something that he does three times. He prays. Now, the first time he prays, he's sitting there at the well. He's made his journey. He's gathered servants and goods. And he says, "Okay, Lord, I need you to show me who you would like to be Isaac's wife. He said, send me a woman who not only gives me drink, but offers to give my camels drinks. Now, a camel can drink up to 25 gallons of water. And how many did the servant have? He had 10. And it wasn't like the lady could just go over and flip the faucet and stand there while the trough filled up and then turn it off once it was full. She had to go to the well and manually carry up to 250 gallons of water uh, by hand on her shoulders. I did the math. A gallon of water weighs approximately eight pounds. So she could have carried close to 2,000 pounds of water for this man. What the servant was praying for, he wasn't just praying for a a physically strong woman. He wasn't just praying for a, a woman who would answer to his beck and call. He was praying for a woman of character. He was praying for a woman that would exercise hospitality. He was praying for a woman that would exercise care and concern, not only for him, but also for the other creatures of God. He was looking for a woman who pursued grace. And character and dare I say godliness that's what he was praying for now now we do have to answer a quick question oftentimes when we think about praying for things specifically for God to show us his will we jump to Gideon do we not and his fleece and if you ever heard my teaching on Gideon you, you've heard me teach that Gideon was not exactly acting as faith So how can we say the servant here is acting in faith when I say that Gideon does not? Well, first we have to look at the context. The context of Gideon's story is that he has a history of not acting in faith. The angel comes to him and says, hey, I'm going to use you to free the people from the Midianites. And he says, nope, not me. I need a sign. Make that food on the altar disappear. And so the angel does. He makes the food on the altar disappear. And then the angel says, I want you to go tear down the altars to the false gods that the people, that my people, the Israelites, are worshiping. And Gideon says, Okay, I'll do it, but at night when everybody's asleep so they don't know who it is. And God protects him in that. And so then God calls and tells him to gather an army. He's seen the angel burn up the food on the altar. He's seen God protect him even when they find out that it was him that destroyed the altar. And then the angel comes to him and says, gather an army. What should his response have been? Absolutely, you've worked hard in my life so far. I will go right out and do it today. What was his response? Can you show me a sign so that I know who you really are? But look at the two signs as well. What does a servant ask for? He asked for something within the realm of God's possibility. He doesn't ask for anything out of the ordinary. He asked for a godly woman. He asked for a woman of character. Men in this room, should that not be what we pray for in a wife as a woman of godly character? Should that not be what we pray for our children that they find a spouse of godly character? That's normal. What did Gideon ask for? He said, change the laws of nature. I'm going to set a piece of fabric, a piece of fleece out on the ground. When the dew falls tomorrow, let the fleece be dry. When that happened, Gideon said, "Okay, let me up at one for you, God. When I wake up tomorrow, let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. He went outside the realms of what was normal. So we see that this servant is praying in faith. He is praying for something that we should all pursue which is a spouse, which is a friend, which is people of godly character in our lives. But the servant doesn't just pray for a wife of godly character for Isaac. He also prays in thanksgiving and worship twice. In verse 26, we see the servant pray for the second time. Rebekah has done what he had hoped she would. He finds out that she was who he hoped she would be, the granddaughter of one of Abraham's brothers. And he prays and he thanks God for answering his prayer so clearly and so quickly. And in verse 52, when the family agrees to let Rebecca go, he prays to worship and thank God again for God working everything out for good. How many of us have prayed for stuff in our life? God, I've got a decision I've got to make. I have a job I need to take or a spouse I'm looking for or a move that I think I need to make. And I need your guidance and I need your wisdom. And how many of us, when God gives us that guidance and that gives us that wisdom, forget to say thank you. Forget to worship him for the, for the leading that he has given to us in our lives. In Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, we meet 10 men. Jesus is walking to Jerusalem and 10 men meet him, recognize who he is and say, Lord, cleanse us of our leprosy. He says, be healed. Go show yourselves to the priest and be declared clean. And they leave. They get a little ways away. And one of them says, wait a minute. I've just been given every blessing. I've been given every opportunity to reintegrate myself into society. I've been given every opportunity to feel the love of friendship and family and acceptance within a community and not having to live outside of the city walls with a bunch of other sick people that everybody avoids. And he turns around and he goes and he says, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you God for giving me what I asked for. Jesus says, "Where are the other 9?" And we're kind of left there. Are we the other 9? Or are we the one servant? Do we thank God when he answers our prayers of faith? Do we thank God when he shows us his providence in our life? Today we saw the providence of God working out in the timing of Rebecca and Isaac meeting each other. Today we see that as we act in light of God's providence, we are to do so professing faith in God. And we saw as well that we are to soak that process of action in light of the providence of God by, in prayer, by praying to God, both asking for guidance and also thanking Him and worshiping Him. Now, we are not called, even though God acts in providence to direct our lives, even though God acts in providence, we are not called to sit back and wait for God to act. We are to act ourselves. We are to act in the context of faith in God and his promises, and we are to act in the context of a process of prayer. We hymn and haul over what God wants us to do in our lives, but never once think oftentimes to ask him for guidance. We never once think to cry out to him and say, Lord, what do I do here? Show me clearly, according to your word and according to your will, how I am to act in this life. Not asking for some special wet fleece in the front yard in the morning while the grass is dry around it. But saying, Lord, you've given me your law. What decision can I make that best glorifies you in all of this? How different would our lives be if we remembered what he has promised, if we prayed to him in light of those promises, both to seek guidance and to give him thanksgiving. Let us pray. Our God and Father today, as we leave this place, we have your will in our hands. We know how you would have us act in this world. Help us to pray in light of that will, to seek your glory, to seek your honor in all that we do. And Lord, when you do give us clarity like you gave the servant, like you gave to Isaac and to Rebecca, that we thank you for your guidance. That when we find ourselves in a place that honors and glorifies you, we thank you for what you have done for us, for orchestrating our lives to bring us here today. And even when we find ourselves in the dark valleys, we thank you for orchestrating our lives and seek to bring you glory and honor. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.